Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I take the sting out of divorce. This is your host, Emily Sanchez. Hey, everybody. It's Emily. Do you know I really wanted to say, hey, everybody, it's your girl, Emily, but I just don't feel like I can say that yet. But (laughs) the reason is I watch these YouTube how-to videos whenever my TV goes down. And there's this guy that's like, hey, everybody, it's your boy Tyrone or something. And I just love him. Like, I love that he says it's your boy. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. But I hope that we are getting into a personal relationship, I really do, where you could call me your girl. Um, But today is one of my favorite, favorite topics. It's on identity. And I feel like I've learned so much Um, Through my training with Robbins Madonis and Strategic Intervention on this topic. And so I'm super excited to share a lot of what I learned there specifically. And then just some of my own tidbits. Um, But I love, love, love this topic. Because identity, how important is it? How important is our identity? What we think of ourselves. It's everything, right? (laughs) We live by how we define ourselves. And the boundaries with which we live by are created by what we think about ourselves, right? It's like, well, I'm not a morning person, so I could never do blah, 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 fill in the blank, you know. I could never work out in the morning. I could never do that job. It's, It's way too early or whatever. Or I'm big boned. Or I have thyroid issues or low metabolism, so I really can't lose weight. Or I've tried to quit smoking, but let's face it, I'm a smoker. Or, you know, it's all of these things that that people identify with, that people define themselves with. Or I have ADHD. You know, maybe that's something that they define themselves as now because somebody told them they had that. This is a direct quote from Tony Robbins, and I think it's really, really true. One of our strongest needs in the human personality is making certain that our behavior is consistent with our identity. So our behavior is consistent with our identity, how we think about ourselves. So let me tell you a little bit, a little story to illustrate this. Okay? And this story is about a scorpion. He had recently ran into a predicament because there was some flooding and now there was this river that ran between him as he was kind of out wandering and his home. And one day he was wondering as he was on the banks of this river how in the heck he was going to cross. He knew it was too ferocious to cross. He would die if he crossed it alone. And he noticed there was a frog who would swim by and and have a jolly good time, whatever. So the scorpion said, Can I hitch a ride on top of your head as you swim through the water? I promise I'll be good. And the frog was like, I can't carry you across this river. You are a scorpion. You're going to hurt me. You're going to sting me. You know, which could, could possibly kill me or whatever. I just don't trust you. And the scorpion said, no, 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 no. I I promise you, I will just get on top of your head there. I just need a lift, and then I'll be fine. I just want to go home. 
So somehow he convinced the frog to do this. So the frog lifted him on top of his head and swam across. And as he was putting him on the banks across the river towards his home, the scorpion stung him right there. And the frog just looked at him and just said, how could you? And the scorpion said, I'm so sorry, I can't help it. I'm a scorpion. That's what I do. So, <laughs> what's the story all about? It's just to demonstrate that what we identify ourselves as will come out in our actions. It just automatically will. And we have to be careful about how we label ourselves, right? And how others label us. I think we need to be even more careful about how we label ourselves because I've noticed in, in talking with people in my own life and, and things that I am more critical on myself than other people are. So we just have to be very, very careful what we're telling ourselves and what we're believing. A lot of how we define ourselves occurred way back when we were young. And it doesn't even apply anymore, but we still believe it. I remember this about my niece for some reason. But she had this beautiful, sweet singing voice. And all of a sudden, she just stopped singing. And now, it's sad. She'll say, oh, I can't sing. I can't sing. And I'm like, uh, yes, you can. I've heard you many times. Well, somewhere, somehow, way, 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 way back, somebody said that you don't sing as well as your sister. And because of that statement, she's taken it to heart that she is no good, and she's transformed that into her own you know, ne negative self-talk into being no good and all these things. But it's so interesting that that can happen so far back. We don't even question it, but we just go with what people say and what we say about ourselves. As a child, I was luckily, luckily ingrained, my father ingrained and my mom, into our heads that we could do anything, that we could do anything we put our minds to. That we were hard workers and we could do anything. But he also put into my mind something <laughs> that is super good in a sense and isn't good in other senses, but that we are not quitters, that we don't quit anything. And, and that has been kind of a hard thing when something <laughs> that is maybe toxic <laughs> comes into your life or, or whatever that you, because you're not a quitter, you're just going to keep going through it or whatever. But I hope you get what I'm saying, that we label ourselves, we go back to a key decision that we made way back when or whenever, or we go off and experience one or two or three experiences when we know that we have billions of experiences to go off of. We have positive experiences that we just forget because the brain dwells on stuff, negative things that happens so that we can get, get better and that we can learn from it and, and avoid pain. But it's interesting, you know, there was a, a woman in a seminar that stood up and said, and I have adult ADD. And Tony Robbins says, you have adult ADD. Well, who told you that? And she said, well... When I was younger, you know, I was diagnosed with ADD. And he's like, by whom? 
oh, this person, this person, you know, and he's like, well, what if you just had crap teacher syndrome? What if you just had a super creative mind that went from one to the next and you had a really crappy teacher? You know, you just got one opinion? What about other people's opinions? And who, who was the person that even told you you had ADD? And now adult ADD. So it's just interesting that we a lot of times don't question things and we don't question our own <laughs> labeling. Uh, but it's just interesting to be like, well, who told you this? And really, we still believe that about ourselves. So going back to that, our strongest need in the human personality is making certain that our behavior is consistent with our identity. Okay? Going back to that, our behavior is consistent with our identity. Have you ever heard of drug addicts who just cannot break the habit. Of course we hear about it. We hear, hear about people who tried to give up smoking, and they just can't do it, and they can't do it, and they can't do it. They keep trying. They go through the motions. And then have you, have you heard about drug addicts or people that have totally cleaned up and have quit everything? Well, what's the difference? The first example, the people that just can't seem to quit, are just changing their behavior, not their identity. And the second example, those people are changing both. They're changing the behavior and who they really are, their identity about themselves. So if you are a smoker trying to quit, and you change the behavior only, but you tell yourself, you know, I'm a smoker. I've been doing this since I'm 18. It's just what I do. I hold it in my hand. I'm a smoker. I, I, I can't do this. It's, it's what we believe about ourselves. And so those are the people that are making those changes. But it's more of becoming who you truly are than a change. It's becoming who you really are. It's uncovering who you really are instead of changing who you are. So who are you? Really, who are you? I can think of stories going back to when I'm a kid. I'd get so excited about things. You know, when did that change? When did that change? Do we have experiences where people tell us to calm down? Calm down! It's just a dance. It's just a school dance on Friday night. Or do you have one bad experience? You know, it's, it's just interesting how, unfortunately, things in life, they come and they, they kind of put a damper and they, they make us jaded and, and things like that. But to my divorced friends, you've got a natural identity shift happening. You know, especially when you're just barely going through it. And there's these labels like divorcee or single parent or whatever the heck. <laughs> it's like, oh gosh, those labels. I don't want to be known as divorced. Just label me as single. But there is a natural, natural identity shift where we were this person's spouse and we did things with them and we associated with the same people and we went through the same I don't know, habits and routines, and it 
identifies us. So we, we do lose that. But it's also an awesome gain because we can create the identity of maybe what we've lost. Or maybe we can come and realize who we really are as we weed those, you know, old identities of the past out. But, you know, it's interesting as we go back, as I was talking about how behaviors coincide with identity, it's interesting to see how they do. You can see it in someone's rituals. Okay, what are rituals? Rituals are the things people do every single day. So, for example, if someone identifies themselves as a, an athlete, what ritual are they going to have every day? Well, maybe they put their tennis shoes by the side of their bed at night because they know they're going to wake up and they're going to go running. Um, maybe they have a class they go to. But whatever it is, is very, very consistent. What about people who label themselves as artistic? I have a friend who paints and does really, really awesome work and funny drawings. She's super, super funny. She does these calendars. And so her ritual is she goes to the studio every day. You know, it's, it's just interesting that we can see the rituals. And then on the negative side of things, you know, when people identify as being a drug addict, or as being, you know, down on themselves in some way that they can't be who they truly are. You can see the rituals leading to that. Maybe they don't wake up for work. Maybe they sleep in. Maybe they do not, you know, reach the goals they've set for themselves. And they turn on Netflix instead of, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. But we can see how people identify with themselves. We can see the leaders we can see what they do, we can see their hustle, and we can see the people that think that they should. I mean, there's the shoulds versus the musts, really. The people who identify a certain way must do it that way. It's not just a should. We've all, me included so many times, I should do this, I should do that. I want to be more spiritual. So... I should say prayers morning and night and meditate. I should read, you know, read this or that, and then I, and then I don't. But if I identified as it, and I've had periods of time in my life where I truly identified as that, it just was me. It's just what I did. It was a must. So how do we shift the shoulds to the musts? So I have a few steps, <laughs> and this is our opportunity to my beautiful, beautiful friends. And even if you aren't going through a divorce or haven't been divorced, this is to everybody that wants to let go of those silly ways that we've defined ourselves that maybe are holding us back. We can redefine ourselves any way we want to and really uncover our true self. So, step one is, I call it, a disidentification. Okay? It is, this is in the redefining moments. This is kind of a de-identification. I didn't know if it was disidentification or de-identification. 
But in any rate, it is doing kind of the reverse of what your identity has been up until this point. Okay, so I want you to get out a piece of paper. I want you to question everything. And it will be fun, okay? Just write it down. So let's say you are like me and say, I am not a morning person. Okay, write that down. Then underneath that, write down when you made that decision or why you think that is so. Okay, and then you can write... Uh, just different things that you say about yourself. Maybe I'm an introvert. Um, maybe, you know, and then write down why you think you're that way. Or some of the other examples I listed, like ADD, or I have anxiety, or I have this, or I have that. And maybe you truly do, okay? I'm not saying that you don't, and that, you know, sometimes doctors give us those diagnoses, but... I'm just saying to question everything, and it will be really, really fun. Question the labels, the negative labels especially, is what I'm getting at. Let's question those labels. I have a client who always tells me I can't get my crap together. I can't get my crap together. I can't be on time. I'm a person that I, I just am not on time. I'm not an on-time person. I just can't get my crap together. And you know, we go back and we try to refocus on where and when she made the decision that it's that way because it trickles down into our behavior of what we truly think about ourselves. So that's our first thing. Um, and you're going to disidentify everything. Go. And, and if you have gone through a divorce, change your name back. Change your name back to your maiden name. You know, try to disidentify like I'm saying question everything question you know if you were married and you were you knew yourself as this wife and mother that did things a certain way and now that's not that way let's just question question it all and write it down and come up with when you thought that about yourself and I mean everything, everything about your personality, what you do, what you don't like, and what you like. Let's see if we can pinpoint that to like the type of person that you think you are. Okay, just everything. If you're compassionate, if you're kind, if you think you're impatient, if you think you're, I, I don't know, anything. If you're a hiker, if you're a tennis player, if you are a gardener, if you are not creative, if you think that you can't do certain things, write it down. And it will be so fun to see where those thoughts came from so that we can discover who we truly are and we can decide. Okay, so number two, going along with that, now we are going to set new rituals. Okay, so number two, set new rituals for yourself. Notice I didn't say goals. I said rituals because rituals are a must. Rituals are a must. A lot of times goals get placed into the should category. So I want you to come up with something so amazing and compelling of a vision of who you truly are. Who you are at your core. Are you this excited person that's fun and funny but you just haven't seen that for so long because you've been dealing with a, you know a terrible marriage 
or maybe someone that put you down or maybe stuck in this place you just did not want to be. All right, but you know you're a funny person with spunk and you want that to come out. Okay, so come up with this vision of who you really are and nothing can stop you and commit for 21 days. 21 is what scientists say creates a habit. 21 days you are going to do certain rituals to form that new identity or it's not new. It's something you know you are. Maybe you're creative and artistic and you want to get back into that. Like I said, maybe you're funny. So maybe you're just your ritual is going to be you're going to force yourself to tell jokes to people. You're going to force yourself to get out there. You're going to come up with fun rituals for yourself. Maybe you want to get back into working out. Like I said, put your shoes next to your bed. Plan on it. Plan on going. Find the classes. Join the classes. Go and do. If you want to be more compassionate, find people to serve. You know, if you want to be less of an introvert and more of that extrovert, find, start small and find, you know, letters to write or texts to send if you feel very introverted right now. And then you could gradually increase. But, oh my gosh, the sky is the limit. This is so much fun. And just do the 21-day challenge and go for it. It will be fun. If you think you're not a morning person, try it for 21 days. And then go to bed early, you know. Do the things you know you need to do to get yourself where you want to go. It seems simple, but uh, it kind of is. <laughs> so that's number two. Set new rituals for yourself. Now, number three, take symbolic action. What does that mean? So as we are doing these new rituals and you are into kind of going into that new identity, um, you will also find it helpful to symbolically make changes. And I've seen a lot of divorced people do this. And, you know, like I said before, you don't have to be divorced. But what I tell my clients, too, when we can kind of metaphorically change and create this new um, identity um, symbolically, it can really set into our psyche. So what are some symbolic actions. Well, one could be just taking off your wedding ring. One could be selling the wedding ring. One could be one could redecorate your house. Okay? We want brand new. Everything's going to be brand new. Or it doesn't have to be brand new, you know, <laughs> but just redecorate. Maybe even move the furniture. Um maybe a new haircut or a different style or different clothing or take a trip that you were never able to take when you were with that person before. So you see what I'm saying. You want to make symbolic actions that will coincide with your new rituals, which will just reinforce this new fun, it doesn't have to be fun, but just this new identity that you are coming into that has always been you. That's the key. So, lastly, I just have four of these kind of action steps. Focus on what you can control. 
Oh, we've heard this before, right? But, you know, it does no good to dwell on the mistakes maybe that we've made or to dwell on the situation. And sometimes that's hard with the focus, especially if you share children because your ex will be a trigger and they will be there. But don't let that happen. Just let it go. Let it go. And working on those rituals will really, really help in the previous, all the previous steps will help on what you can, you know, focusing on what you can, can't control. Uh, there was some research done by a woman named Patricia Linville that was interesting. And it shows that the more complex our mental representations of self are, the more resilient we are in times of stress or setback. And the more we're buffered from negative emotions. That's very, very interesting. So she conducted the study with um, some women. Um, on one side, you had the women who handled and got over their divorce a lot quicker than on the other side, the women who just were struggling and had a hard, hard time um, and took much, much longer getting over. What she noticed was the women with more complex definitions of their self, like, for example, sister, mother, confidant, tennis player, gardener, dog lover, organizer, etc., you know, whatever, and, and the list could go on and on. You see what I'm saying? So the more complex and expansive that was of their self, um, the more they retained their identity when wife was taken off the table. Okay, so whereas the other, you know, the peer group of the, the, the women who had a hard time with their divorce, um, they were the ones that kind of labeled themselves primarily as wives. So you can see that even having the labels within ourselves, if we can expand that, if we can expand the definitions of ourselves, what defines us, how we identify, it can help us be resilient, more resilient in any time of trial. Huh. And to combat negative no emotions, man, I will do that. <laughs> I will do that. So just going back four steps one more time. One was the disidentification. So question everything. We're going to go back. We're going to go back to the beginning, you know, and question. Who told us, you know, that we were no longer this or that? Who shut us down? And do we have to really believe them? I mean, give me a break, right? So we're going to question everything. Then number two, we're going to set new rituals. So we're going to come up with some stuff. Uh, we're going to come up with who we truly are and what we want, who we know we are inside. We're going to uncover it and we're going to set rituals that coincide so the behavior can get to the identity. And then number three, we're going to take symbolic actions. So think of some symbolic things, things that you can change um, that can coincide with the rituals. And then number four, focus on what you can control. We're going to let go of stuff that we can't. And that will be freeing also. So I hope that that helps. Oh my goodness, I love this topic. And I've noticed I've kind of 
rambled on, but I would love to hear what you think about this whole identity situation, right? So email me, coachemilysanchez at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. All right, folks, make it what you want. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. Come on over and visit me at coachemilysanchez.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, make it a great day.